Thank you for listening to the Paradigm Podcast. Paradigm is a young adult ministry that exists to see lives changed by Jesus. For more information about Paradigm, go to ParadigmKC.com. We hope this message is inspiring and life-changing. Thanks for listening. What's up, Paradigm? If you have a copy of God's Word, won't you find the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1 is where we're going to be at tonight. If you are new to Paradigm, we like to take books of the Bible and just walk through them verse by verse from time to time. So if you're new to the Bible, new to Paradigm, we want to invite you to grab a copy of it, a physical copy, or you can go on your device and download the YouVersion Bible app, and uh, you can start navigating, trying to find 2 Timothy. All the T's are together in the, in the New Testament, in the second half of your Bible. So if you hit Thessalonians, Titus, 1 Timothy, you're in the right neighborhood, 2 Timothy chapter one. Now, I don't, I don't know um, if you've had the chance to meet any, anybody that's like super brave. Like, I don't know if you've met somebody like super, super brave. Like, when you hear about some of the stuff they've done, you're like, wow, that's brave, you know, like just courageous and like, I don't know if you've met somebody like that. Well, um, a few weeks ago, I was, I was preaching on a Sunday and uh, on Sunday, I get a security detail. It's pretty awesome. And so I got a guy who's got, like, he could, he could take you out. Don't mess with me. If you're going to mess with me, try to get me on a Tuesday, not a Sunday. Anyway, so anyway, I'll start with this guy, and uh, he was kind of unassuming, you know. It's a guy, his name's Bill, you know. It's Bill. It's just, like, like, just unassuming, just Bill, you know. And he's just hanging out with me. And I'm like, so, Bill, like, what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you do? He's like, well, I'm, um, I'm a retired, I'm retired military. I was like, oh, cool. You know, I've known a lot of retired military people and, you know, praise God for the people that have served in our military, active in our military. You know, so I started asking questions, you know. Yeah, okay, we'll go, let's go ahead and clap for them real quick. Yeah. I got a moment to shout all y'all out here in a minute. But anyway, I'm glad. I'm glad we're excited about the military. That's great. Anyway, so Bill, Bill's a Navy SEAL. Yeah, if you don't know, like, if you don't know Navy SEAL, like, that is like, the cream de la cream of they will hurt you people, all right? And, and not only is Bill a Navy SEAL, he's the captain of a Navy, like, I don't know what exactly all that means, but he's like the best of a Navy SEAL, in, you know, in Navy SEALs. And so this, this dude is, he's, he's bad, y'all. And, I, you know, I've, I've heard some of Bill's stories and swimming shark-infested waters and doing stuff that he can't tell me about, you know, and all, all this stuff. And so I, I'm headed to the lake tomorrow with my family. And imagine I'm like, Bill, won't you come hang out with my family? And we get out to the lake and go with me real quick, just hypothetically. And, and we're out there, and I, and I pull up on the boat, and I'm like, Bill, you you want to get on the boat? He's like, starts getting nervous, you know. I'm like, what's, what's going on? He just says, Chad, to be honest with you, I, I just really don't do boats. And I'd be like, Bill, you're a Navy SEAL. What do you mean you don't do boats? Like, this is kind of a part of the training and all the, you've been in boats in, like, bad places. Like, what do you mean you don't do boats? But, you know, I'm, I'm Pastor Chad, so I'm like, you know what, that's fine, that's fine. We, you know, we, don't, we don't even get on the boat. How about we just hang here at the lake? We'll just swim around. And, and I look back at Bill, and he's like, he's timid again. And he's like, Chad. Man, just to be honest with you, the, the water makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> I'd be like, what? B- Bill, you're a Navy SEAL. Like, you've been in shark-infested water. What do you mean? This is, this is Table Rock Lake. What do you mean you're nervous around? Like, that would be really confusing, right? Like, like at best, that's confusing. At worst, that's downright hypocritical to say you're a Navy SEAL, to say you've been a captain, Navy SEAL, you've been all the Navy SEAL things, and then you claim to be a Navy SEAL, and now you're going to be timid around boats, and you're going to be timid around water. That doesn't make sense. And the reason why I start there tonight is because just as confusing as that would be, that somebody would be a Navy SEAL and they would be timid around the water, it's equally as confusing when somebody says they're a Christian and they're timid around sharing about Jesus. 
like the nature of you being a Christian. When you say, I am a Christian, what you're saying is this. You're saying that Jesus Christ has saved my life, that I put my faith and trust in Jesus' work on the cross and that he rose from the grave and it's changed my life and he's got my eternity on lockdown, right? That's what you say when you say you're a Christian. That's what you say you've believed in. You put your faith in that thing. And what's confusing is when you're a Christian, you say all of that, but then, but then there are times when somebody asks you about your faith or you have an opportunity to share your faith and you just cowered down. And it's confusing. Like timidity and Christianity go together like obesity and spandex, all right? Like they ain't supposed to be together, okay? That this is, it's like an oxymoron, if you will, a timid Christian, because part of being a Christian is that you're marked by courage to share the most important thing in your life. Like, like when we're timid about the thing that we're banking our eternity on, it's just really confusing. But here's the reality. Timidity, it still prevails, right? Like, I don't know if you're a Christian here or not, but man, I've been a Christian for a little bit of time, and, and, uh, and there's been times where I've had an opportunity to share my faith, and I just start waffling back and forth like, I don't know, this is kind of awkward and I don't want to come across, you know, and I, and I was timid. But there's been times in my life where I should have been courageous, I should have shared, but I've been timid and I failed to be bold. So it's only fitting that one of the loudest voices in the whole Bible, this guy named Paul, would be speaking to a guy named Timothy that was struggling with timidity even though he was a Christian and this guy would begin to say, you need to be unashamed. You need to have courage to be able to speak about your faith. That Paul, he's gonna share that we need to be unashamed as Christians. If you're taking notes tonight, I've titled this message, Five Marks of an Unashamed Believer. Five Marks of an Unashamed Believer. Again, this is the last letter that one of the most famous Christians of all time wrote, a guy named Paul of Tarsus, the Apostle Paul. And he wrote this letter to his protege, Timothy, and Paul, he's on death row for preaching the gospel. Think about that. He's on death row for preaching the gospel. He didn't commit, commit any crimes that necessitated him about to be executed, but he's in this place, he's in this prison, and in his final days, he asked to get a pen and a paper so that he can write a letter to a guy named Timothy. And I love Paul because Paul, even though he should have been sulking and he should have been having this pity party and feeling sorry for himself, he's like, who could I encourage? Who, need, who needs a word of encouragement? I love that. Don't you love people like that? They're just in bad shape. They, have, they got some sort of diagnosis. They got some sort of difficulty they're going through, but they just want to encourage you. Like, I, I love being around people that are just encouraging. And Paul, he's one of these guys. Man, he should have had this pity party, but he's writing a letter to a guy named Timothy because he heard that Timothy was dealing with some things, and one of the things that Timothy was dealing with is a little thing that you and I are very, very familiar with, and it's a thing called timidity that he was having a hard time telling people about Jesus Christ. He was having a hard time living out his faith practically. And so last week, we kicked off this letter in 2 Timothy, and we talked about Paul, we talked about Timothy, we talked about their relationship. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna kind of backtrack in a few of the verses, and then we're gonna pick up where we left off, and we're gonna keep going through chapter one tonight. So in verse three, Paul, he's starting to turn a corner, and he's telling Timothy, man, I thank God for you. He's like, man, you're one of my boys, you're one of my dogs, you're one of my protégés, you're my disciple. And so in verse three, he says, I thank God, and then he says some things. And then he picks up in verse five, he's saying, I thank God when I call to remembrance, and he's talking to Timothy, the genuine faith that is in you, Timothy. He says, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois 
and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded is in you also. If you're gonna be an unashamed Christian, if you're gonna be a courageous Christian, then the first marker you gotta have is you gotta have point number one, a genuine faith. You gotta have a genuine faith. Again, Paul, he's saying, I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. He's saying to Timothy, I remember when you came to Christ. Like I remember, I remember meeting your grandmama, I remember meeting your mama, they're godly ladies. And I remember them talking about how they led you to Christ and I remember just seeing God work in your life, Timothy. And Timothy, you, you're gonna be, you gotta be unashamed and, and in order for you to understand, you gotta remind yourself, man, I got a genuine faith. Like I don't know what's going on in Timothy's life, maybe he's much like you or much like me that there are times where you have doubts about your faith. There are times where you're like, man, am I really, did I really, was I sincere? And, that, and, and Paul's saying, hey Timothy, let, re, let me remind you I've seen it in you. I've heard your testimony. You have a genuine faith. Uh, this word genuine in the original language, it literally means without disguise. It means I, I'm not, I don't have a fake faith. It's sincere. I wonder tonight, do you have a genuine faith? Can you look back at a time in your life where you, where you turned from your sin and you trusted Jesus as a savior? Is your faith real or are you just trying to fake it till you make it? That's not a good plan in faith. Do you have a genuine faith? I think sometimes the reason why we don't share our faith, the reason why we're ashamed of our faith is because we're not sure about our faith. Like has there been a time in your life where you can look back and say, man, I trusted Jesus Christ as my only hope for salvation? And if you have, then you have a genuine faith in Christ. If you aren't sure about that, then I am a little bit unsure if, you're, if you really have a genuine faith. You need to ask yourself that question tonight. But Paul, he's looking at Timothy and saying, bro, I remember. You had a genuine faith. I've seen Christ work in your life. And Paul's starting here with Timothy because he knows what we need to know, that it's hard to be bold about something that you're not sure that you believed in. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're unsure, like I don't know if I'm a Christian, then how are you gonna tell somebody else how to be a Christian? But when you know that you have a genuine faith, this is the foundation for you to be able to share that with someone else. Paul, he goes on in verse six, and he says this, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Point number two, if you're taking notes, if you wanna be an unashamed Christian, you gotta have a clear gift. You gotta have a clear gift. Again, Paul, he's saying, man, you, you, gotta, you, you gotta be unashamed, man. You gotta be courageous, Timothy. And he's reminding him that you gotta, you gotta stir up that gift that God has given you. Now remember, I laid hands on you. This is kind of like a spiritual speaker saying, man, we affirmed this in you. Me and, my, me and my, the other guys that were wise around you, they, they saw this and they said, Timothy, you go and you build the church. You go be a pastor or you go be this or that. He says, man, we, we saw you have this gift. He has a clear gift. And again, Paul's saying, man, you've got this in you, Timothy. Stir it up. See, apparently, Timothy was doubting his ability to do the thing that had been affirmed in earlier seasons in his life. And I love this because, man, this is my story and this is y'all's story as well. There's probably times where you've tried to do something with your faith. You try to tell somebody about faith and you try to tell somebody about Jesus. You try to go and serve in the name of Jesus. And you had this thought like, there's probably someone better that could do this than me. You know, you ever had that thought? Like, like, you, like you, you, you feel compelled, like you feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and saying, you need to share with them. You're like, but, but. But there's this guy on Instagram that's way better than I am, and so I should just share the video on Instagram and let that guy be sharing with this guy, and then I'm just kind because of, he's better than me. You ever had that feeling where you're like, man, I, I, there, there may be, I don't, know if I, I don't know if I have what it takes to do this thing. And listen, what Paul is trying to say to Timothy and what he's trying to say to all of us is that you have a gift in Christ that you need to stir up. Listen, every salvation comes prepackaged with a pardon and a purpose. 
Every salvation comes prepackaged with you being cleared from the guilt of your sin and being called to the mission of God. Every salvation comes prepackaged with forgiveness of your sin and a future in the mission of God. That for me, one of the reasons why I was so bored and so caught up in my sin and so bored in my faith is because I wasn't living out my faith by inviting other people to faith in Jesus Christ that you have a calling on your life, that you have a gift to serve the kingdom of God with your life, you have at least one and probably more than one, that God wants you to stir that thing up. He wants you to discover it, then stir it up so that you can use it to build his kingdom and find fulfillment in your life. Some of you are like, well, but how, do you, how do you know that exactly? I mean, because I, I don't know. How do you know that? It, well, the word of God tells us, all right? That's how I know that exactly. Romans eleven twenty nine just simply says this, for the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. Like you got something on your life, if you're in Christ, that is used to build up his kingdom and you can't deny that, you can't change that. Ephesians 2, 10 says this, you are Christ's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works in which he's prepared in advance for you to do. Look, there are some things that have your name on it in this life to accomplish, that God wants you to discover your gift and then stir up that gift to build up his kingdom. So my question tonight is, what are you called to do? What's what's God's call on your life? What is that thing, that the the slice of the pie, so to speak, that you've got to own? And some of you, maybe you're in here, and I remember being in spaces like this when I was first trying to figure out what does it mean to follow Jesus Christ, and, and I remember hearing about like gifts and callings and things like that, and I'm like, where, like, where do you figure this out, you know? Is there like a, an Enneagram for Christianity? Like, how do I figure this thing out? Listen, listen, the, the way that you discover what you're called to do, I, I'll just share with you what I did. You, you gotta get in the game, man. You, you gotta serve. That's how you discover what you're called to do. It's, it's, like, it's like football for me. Like I, when I played football, I finally found my spot, man. My spot on the field was defensive end, all right, defensive line. I like being trench warfare. That's what we called it, you know, just hand-to-hand combat every snap. Loved it. Loved the contact, you know. That's why I am the way I am in a lot of ways, you know what I'm saying, some residual, you know, stuff, right? And so anyway, I loved it, but I didn't, I didn't start out as a defensive end. What I did is I started playing the game. I got on the field, and, and I played offense, and then I played defense. I played special teams, and, and eventually one of my coaches was like, Glover, you know, you got recruited as a linebacker, but really we need you on the line, you know, and so they put me from, from a Sam linebacker to a stand-up nine. If you don't know what that is, I was just a defensive end, all right, and when I got there, I was like, oh, this is my spot. This is my spot, you know, land shark, here we come. You know, I was fired up, you know, and the, right, the way that I discovered that was my position was that I committed to get on the field of play and then I trusted the coaches in my life. They were saying, no, no, we really need you here. We think that you're better wired for this. And so I played the game and I trusted the coaches that I had in my life. So how do you figure out what you're called to do? You gotta start serving, man. If you're not, if you're not currently serving in some capacity, then I would contend that it's gonna be really difficult for you to figure out what God has called you to do. You need to serve in the kids' ministry. You need to serve in the student ministry. You need to serve in the old people ministry. You need to serve at the food pantries, or you need to serve in the worship team. You need to serve in the young adult. Man, you gotta serve in some different capacities, and there will be a thing that you do that be like, man, this is what I'm called to do, not only serve in this capacity, but also I can take the things I've been taught here, and then I can transfer them into my workplace. I can transfer them into my, my apartment complex. I can live this thing out outside of the walls of the church as well. 
And then you gotta trust the spiritual coaches in your life that are saying, man, really, I think that, you, I think that you're really called to, to like serve the, the needy. I think, well, I think that you're really called to serve the, the underprivileged. I think that you're really called to, to serve in this capacity. And you kind of allow them to position you. And then you say, okay, man, this is what I'm called to do. Listen, God has a call on your life. And you gotta, the way that you discover that is that you gotta start serving and trust the coaching. Now, one of our commitments here at Paradigm is that we wanna train you up for the mission of God. You already heard it earlier that we're doing this thing called leadership training, and the whole reason why we're doing that is because we don't wanna call a generation just to come to a place like this and just sit back, take some notes, get some information, and leave and never live out the mission of God in your life. That we wanna invite you into the mission of God, which in the big the big uh, sp- scope is that you make disciples. But so often it's like, man, you'll get invited into the mission of God and you're like, man, I don't know how to do that. Instead of looking stupid and falling on your face, you'd rather just kind of stop and back out and bow out and just kind of sit back and take notes and listen and leave. But God has so much more for you, man. We're calling this generation, that's you, to understand the mission of God and then be equipped to go live out that mission in whatever sphere of influence that God has you. Man, God wants you to to stir up the gift that he's placed inside of you so that you can advance the mission of God to make disciples of all of the nations. And we wanna call this generation to do that. Because I think this generation, they wanna own the mission more than any other generation that has come before us in recent history. Like there's this tendency to say, man, I want more. I wanna be involved. I don't wanna just champion and cheer that person on. And like the podcast or the YouTube, I wanna be used by God. And hopefully you're here. If you're a Christ follower, you would have that angst. God, would you use my life? I don't wanna just kinda slip off in eternity and don't do anything for your glory. God, I wanna be used by you. And we wanna call this generation to that end. We don't wanna see a generation that's unsure about how to have a spiritual conversation. We don't wanna see a generation that's unsure about how to share their testimony. We don't wanna see a generation that's unsure about what they need to do in regard to the kingdom of God. We wanna call you to serve so that you can discover what God has called you to do. So tonight, man, get in the game with us. If you've been sitting on the sideline and you don't have a place to plug in into a, in a field of service, if you will, man, get in the game. Sitting on the sideline in your faith is a boring way to live out your faith. When you come to Christ, you made the varsity. When you come to Christ, you get a jersey. When you come to Christ, you get an invitation on the field to play. And so get in the game. Don't choose to sit on the sideline when there's a better way. Paul, he's saying to Timothy, man, stir up this gift. And he goes on in verse seven and And he says this to Timothy, he says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Um, Point number three and marker number three, if you're gonna be an unashamed Christian, man, you're gonna have to have a fearless spirit, a fearless spirit. Paul, maybe the main idea of the whole second Timothy is when he says this, he says, I I remind you to stir up the gift that God has given you. And then Paul is just stacking on that. It's almost like he's he's grabbing Timothy by the face mask or he's he's sitting down next to Timothy and he's saying, put his arm around her for you ladies. And just really getting, you know, getting close to him, so to speak. And he's saying like, man, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. Uh, Some of your translations say timidity. Uh, That's really a better word. That he didn't give you a spirit of timidity, but he gave you a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of a sound mind so that you can have this fearless spirit. I believe this is one of the most important verses in the whole Bible. That we go to this verse often because this is what we see clearly in this verse. When we feel timidity, when we feel cowardice, when we feel fear, this is not from God. 
God's not selling that to you. He's not infusing that into your system. God has given you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Again, I like the word timidity more than fear. That's really more of an accurate translation. Uh, the, Greek, the Greek word for fear or timidity is the Greek word delia. It literally means timid, fearful, or it can mean cowardice. This word is only used right here in the New Testament. And this is a spirit, this spirit of cowardice, this spirit of timidity, this is a spirit straight from the pit of hell. Let me explain what I mean. If you read how the end's gonna shake out in the book of Revelation, there's a guy named John that had a vision of, of how the end's gonna shake out when you got heaven and you got hell. And here's what he said in Revelation 21, verse six. He says, he said to me, he's talking about Jesus said to me. Jesus said, it is done. I love this. Jesus said, I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I'm gonna give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this. I will be their God and they will be my children. So again, Jesus is saying, this is how it's gonna be for us when, when we go to heaven. You're gonna be drinking this water. It's gonna be like the best water you've ever had, you know? Uh, you're, gonna be, you're gonna be so excited. You're gonna see Jesus like alpha and omega, beginning and the end. Lord of all, Lord of all, we win. You know, you're just so excited, right? Just Jesus and it's just amazing. But then Jesus gives a warning in the same breath about those that are gonna be in hell. He says in verse eight, he says this, note, note this. He says, but the cowardly, if we were reading this in the, in the Greek, we would see that this is a form of the word that was in 2 Timothy verse seven. The word delia. He says, but the cowardly, the timid, if you will, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. I don't know if you ever read lists in the Bible and pay attention to them, but like, like you, have, you have sexually immoral, people that are in magic arts and murderers, but cowards were first on the list. That that made the top. Note this, that timidity is from the enemy. And if Satan can convince you to shrink back for fear of rejection or for fear of persecution or for fear of estrangement or awkwardness, then Satan has won in your life. I think one of the greatest things that Satan would want for us is that if he can't keep us from coming to a place like this, he's like, all right, all right, well, y'all can go to a place like this. You can sit back, listen, take some notes, sing some songs, but never actually live out the mission of God outside of these four walls. And Satan's like, got him. If he can convince us to be governed by the spirit of timidity, then the enemy has won in our life. And one of the greatest things that the enemy has, has ravished the church of this day with is that he's convinced us that we should not be vocal about our faith. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, the word of God tells us. But how will people hear if no one tells them about the good news of Christ? That you are God's solution for him ushering in the salvation of the world that you share about the good news that there is life in Jesus Christ. See, here's what I've come to find out, that Satan, he delights in cowards, but Christ, he delights in courage. And you have to ask yourself, whose favor are you seeking? Whose favor do you want? Man, we need this word. We need this word tonight. Because timidity, it's a reality, right? It's a reality. 
Again, I'm, I'm not trying to, to put off like I just share my faith all the time. I ain't scared of nobody. I ain't scared of getting rejected. You know, like that's not true. I'm a person just like you. And there's times in my life where I'm like, man, I know I need to share. I just don't, uh, just don't want to. I just, I'm, I just be, I'm a coward. I was talking with Bill, the Navy SEAL, you know that guy? And, um, and Bill was telling a story about one of his commanding officers. I, I don't know if he was an admiral or what. He was a big deal, all right? And like, like these are one of these guys that they, they've been there, done that, and they're leading a lot of people to go there and do that. You know what I'm saying? And so like Bill was hanging out with his admiral and like there were some, there were some notions of spirituality in, the, in this commanding officer's language. And so Bill had the thought, you know what? He, he kind of sounds like he's a Christian. I should, I should, go, I should go ask him. And so this is, this is like, you know, you're risking a lot to do this in the military. And so Bill, he's like, all right, God, you know, here we go. And he knocks on his door and he, he, he allows him in. He says, you, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to share my faith with you. He begins to share his faith with him. And, 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 the, and this commanding officer is like, yeah, well, actually, actually, Bill, I'm a Christian too. He's like, I'll do it. I'll do it. But I, I had to come and just make sure. And, and then he, he asked him, well, well, may I ask, why, why don't you, like, why don't you share your faith more with your men and your women? And, and this commanding officer, like a big deal in the Navy SEALs, he's like, oh, man, I'd rather get shot for them than share my faith with them. He said, oh, man, I, I'd, I'd rather swim in shark-infested waters than share my faith with them. I get so scared about sharing my faith. A commanding officer of the Navy SEALs gets scared, you know? Like, I didn't know those guys had fear, and the thing that would ravage this guy with fear is the thought of sharing his faith because there's something spiritual about that, and the enemy wants to keep us from sharing our faith. But again, it's a reality. If some of the bravest men and if some of the bravest women in the world, if they fear that, then no doubt we fear it too. But in Christ, you have a spirit of power. In Christ, you have a spirit of love. In Christ, you have a spirit of a sound mind to push back those feelings of cowardice, to push back those feelings and that spirit of timidity. But again, timidity has become a spirit that we've allowed to flourish in the church today. Like we're so timid with our faith at times. And so what we tend to do is just kind of play it safe socially. We don't want to make things uncomfortable, you know. Like it could just be awkward. Like you imagine talking to the Apostle Paul when we're all in heaven someday if you're a Christian and and, uh, and, you know, and Paul's like, oh, what's up, man? He's like, Paul, <laughs> I read your book. You know, it's great, you know. And, and, uh, and he's like, well, tell me, man, what, like, tell me, how did, you, how did you tell people about Jesus? And you're like, well, you know, Paul, it was like, I, I, man, Paul just didn't, I didn't tell people about, I didn't tell people about Jesus like I should have, Paul. And he's like, yeah, was it the lions? They, they, was, they were throwing your people to the lions. They was going to eat y'all. Yeah, I remember that. That was, whoo, you know, I was like, I didn't, yeah, was it that? And you're like, no, no, it wasn't the, it wasn't, they weren't throwing us to the lions, Paul. That was, that was we, were, we were beyond that. We were more sophisticated than that. Um, and he goes, oh, were they boycotting your businesses and dragging your wife out by the hair and, and beating her up in front of everybody? They was, they was doing your family bad and y'all was losing money? Is that... And you're like, well, <laughs> no, Paul, like, not, not really. There wasn't that kind of persecution. And, and Paul, you know, he starts scratching his head. And he said, well, did, did, what was it? And you're like, well, Paul, you know, it was just awkward. It was just, un, you know, it was uncomfortable. It was socially awkward. And, you know, we just, we didn't talk about Biden in the Bible much at the office. You know, it just, 
you just didn't go there. It's all, we talked a lot about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey and what was happening and all this, you know, but uh, it's just awkward. You know, and Paul, he, you know, he was, he was beheaded. That's how he died. Maybe he pulls his head off at this time, just starts scratching the top of his head. And he's like, looks up at you. I don't know if we can do that in heaven. But anyway, and he just says, really, that's interesting. And the point is this. What excuse would you give the apostle Paul for why you gave in to your timidity? Listen, God has given you a spirit of power to be courageous. I think right now there's some of you, like when you think about a courageous person, you think about somebody that's, that's loud, you know, somebody that's like, that's extroverted, somebody that's, that's a, 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 just a genius, you know, they're apologists and they just know all the stuff. And then you're like, and then there's me. I'm not, I, I don't have the gift of courage. Listen, if you're a Christian, you have the gift of courage. It comes prepackaged with the deal. When you become a Christian, the Bible says that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. When you become a Christian, it says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be his witnesses. That courage isn't a, it, it isn't a number on the Enneagram. Uh, courage isn't a letter in the disc profile. Uh, courage, it, it isn't a, a certain type of personality. Courage is the person that is unashamed of what Jesus Christ has done in their life. And they simply just tell people about them. But courage, it's, it's not easy. That's why these ingredients that Paul says, he says, I didn't give you a, or the, God didn't give you a spirit of fear or a spirit of timidity, but he gave you these things. He, he said he gave you these ingredients. And, and some of the ingredients, he, he gave you power because courage isn't easy. Courage, it's also, it's, it's not hateful, you know. This isn't us grabbing some signs and saying, all right, we're going to go out to the plaza and we're going to tell people that, that, that you're going to hell. No, that's not the spirit God's given us. It's the spirit of love. Courage isn't you feeling like you've done something bold and told people the hard truth. That ain't courage. That's why you have a spirit of love. Courage, it's also not ignorant. It's not you just reciting some things that you really haven't locked in your heart and just going out. I mean, one of my favorite stories is by a guy named Louis Giglio, and he was learning how to share his faith, and he was sharing the four spiritual laws. And he's at Baylor University sharing the, the four spiritual laws. And, and the guy that he walks up to, he's like, hey, um, can, can I ask you a few questions? And the guy says, sure. And he, and he starts asking him a, you know, spiritual questions. And then the guy says, well, can I see your book? And Louis says, oh, of course. And he gives him his book. And the guy who Louis trying to share his faith with, looks at him and says, what's spiritual law number three? And Louis Giglio hadn't taken the gospel to heart and he couldn't share. And the guy gave him his book and said, until you know your four spiritual laws, don't come talk to me. And so the courage is not ignorant. It's not you just you getting some stuff and then trying to go out there and rip it. The, the word of God tells us we get a, a spirit that is powerful, a spirit that is loving and of a sound mind. That we think about the things that we're saying and we process them. And God wants us to be people that are marked by courage. So I wonder, are you sharing your faith? Are you sharing your faith? 
I was at UMKC, go kangaroos. <laughs> anyway, and so I was at UMKC earlier a couple weeks ago and, um, and, I, and I walked into like the commons cafeteria area and I was going there to see a friend of mine and, and, um, and I saw a guy wearing a Paradigm shirt. And so I was like, oh, it's one of our dimers, you know? So I walked up and dapped him up and he's sitting there with somebody else and, and we spoke briefly and then I went and, and got in line hanging out with my buddy Raja. And, and so we're hanging out and then, and then as I passed to leave, I walked by and this college guy, this, this guy's sharing the gospel brief and like there was a part of me that was like yeah I love catching y'all doing the right thing man it fired me up you know a lot of times I'm like y'all know better than that you shouldn't be out there you know but this time it's like yes you know, and there was a part of me that was so excited and a part of me that's like, man, I can't wait. So I, I talked to my guy, you know, a, a few days later and, and when I saw him, you know, I, I walked up to him. I was like, bro, good job, man. That's what I'm talking about. He goes, yeah, man, that guy accepted Christ that day. Praise God. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> and what I love about this story is that this is a guy, he's a college student at UMKC. He he he's not at Midwestern Seminary. He he he's not on he's not on some campus, you know, like ministry team. He's just a young adult that's had his life changed by Jesus, and he just wants to tell somebody about it. He's a courageous Christian. Or you could say he's a Christian. See, I could argue that there's no such thing as a courageous Christian. You're just a Christian. And being courageous is just a part of the identity. And so I wonder, who are you sharing your faith with? When was the last time you had a spiritual conversation? Are you living unashamed of what Jesus has done for you? And Paul, he's looking at Timothy, he's saying, Timothy, stir up that gift, fan in the flame. It's like, it's like Paul had this picture of like the campfire in Timothy's life had died down. He's like, you gotta go and put some air on that thing, fan in the flame, the gift that God has given you. You don't have a spirit of timidity, Timothy. You got a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And you go and you tell them once again what Jesus Christ has done in your life. And so Paul, he goes on in verse eight, and he says this, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. He's calling Timothy to courage, not to be ashamed. And he says, don't even be ashamed of me as prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Point number four, if you're taking notes, if you want to be an unashamed Christian, you got to have an enduring mindset. You got to have an enduring mindset. Again, Paul, what he's saying here is like, man, I, 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 I want to invite you to share with me in the suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. Paul's saying, man, I'm, I'm willing to suffer for this. So tonight, are you ashamed of the testimony of Jesus Christ? And some of y'all will be like, nope, not at all, man. Jesus has changed my life. Well, let me ask you this. What have you suffered lately for Christ? And I would contend if you haven't suffered something recently or something in your life for Christ, then you may be unwittingly ashamed of Christ. Let me give you some things that you suffer for Christ. Some of the things that you suffer for Christ are rejection. And you're gonna be willing to be rejected socially. That, that's something that whenever you share your faith, you're saying, I'm willing to be rejected by you. you you've gotta suffer being misunderstood. You know, when you're processing your faith with your family, like oftentimes you're gonna be misunderstood. You gotta be willing to suffer money. You know, a lot of times we, we invite you to give back to ministries or if you're a part of a local church, you're gonna be invited to tithe and give to that church and, and you're suffering money for the sake of Christ. Others of you, it's time. 
You know, I'm gonna sign up to be a part of leadership training. I'm gonna serve at this thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna suffer my time. Some of you, it's comforts. I'm gonna go to this place and serve in this country and, and, and give my life in this part of the city and, and sacrifice my weekend to do this thing and I'm gonna sacrifice my comforts. If you haven't suffered for Christ, then I would just ask, what are you really about, you know? Again, Bill, the Navy SEAL, like I just think about it, I don't know if you've ever thought about the process that those guys go through. It's crazy, right? They sign up for this thing called BUDS and it's like, it's like boot camp on steroids, you know? And they, they're just trying to make you quit, I think is all it is. And, and they're trying to train you, but really it's all about like how tough are you, you know? So you're swimming, you're running, you're push-upping, you're, you're pull-upping, you're doing, you're, you're, you're dying, all the stuff, right? And so like people that go there and like they, they do all of this, like if we were to ask Bill, why, why did you willingly suffer all of these things? More than likely he's gonna say, because I love America. And listen, you know, earlier I was saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shout out, but, but that, and that's a good end. The fact that we have military men and women that have sacrificed their life for the nation of America, that's amazing for the United States of America. We got a great country, we got a great military, and so let me formally say thank you to everyone that served in our military. If you're military here tonight, thank you so much. Yeah, we'll clap it up. In the city, clap it up. Man, yeah. And I'm so grateful for the Navy SEALs. I mean, they're amazing. And what a great cause to willingly suffer for. And as amazing as our nation is, and as amazing as our military is, the kingdom of God is eternal. The kingdom of God is so much more incredible. And so where are the Navy SEALs for the kingdom? Where are those that would willingly suffer for the sake of the gospel? That Paul is saying, you gotta have an enduring mindset. You gotta be willing to suffer for this thing. And then he turns a corner and he begins to tell Timothy about some things that maybe Timothy had forgotten that we all need to be reminded of here tonight. And some of you, you need to hear this for the very first time, that Paul now is about to point to Timothy the reason why we do all of this, and it's because of what Jesus has done. And so in verse nine, he just says this about Jesus. He says, Jesus was the one who saved us and called us with a holy calling, and not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. But it's now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, I love this, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. This is some of the richest teaching of the whole letter. That, that Paul's saying, like, think about Jesus, Timothy. Jesus saved us from our sin. Jesus called us from our futility. And Jesus did all this with something that is holy. That just means set apart. This is the high calling. And why did Jesus do all of this? Why did he save us? Not according to our works. Like the reason why Jesus saved us is because he is amazing. The reason why Jesus saved us is not because we're lovable, but because he is so loving. And we need to be reminded of this. Like, like think about you on your worst day, all right? I'm not talking about the day where you got up before the alarm and you made the bed and you made breakfast for the house. I'm not talking about that day, all right? I'm talking about your worst day, you know? Where you, you slept in, you were late to work, you lied about being late to work, you're like, traffic on 470. It was crazy. I'm in the triangle, you know, but really there was no traffic. And then you got there and you was on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or Snapchat or whatever, LinkedIn, whatever your thing is, instead of working, you know? And then when your boss came around, you put your phone away and it's like, you know, acted like you was doing something. And, and then it was Friday and you were like, you know what, it's Friday and, and it's payday. So I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go 
I'm going to go all out tonight, you know. But, but, I, but just, you know, I'm going to get dressed, I'm going to go out, and then you went out, and then you got pressured to do more than you should have done, and then you find yourself coming into Saturday afternoon, you're hungover, and like, you just like, I'm, I've done the worst thing that I could imagine. And imagine you're in a season like that, where you're on the cycle of just like high highs, but low lows. And then you think about Jesus. You think, man, I, I don't deserve any grace. I don't deserve any mercy. I don't deserve any love. And it's at that place when you're at your worst that Jesus still looks at you and says, I want you. I love you so much so that I gave my life for you on the cross, so much so that I, I rose from the grave. I abolished death and I brought life and immortality to light so you could know this truth. And so it could change you. So has there been a time in your life when you've been changed by that truth? Have you been saved? Have you been called? Do you know Jesus Christ personally? I, I think sometimes we'll just kind of assume that we know Jesus Christ, you know, and, and, and we'll just kind of look to some things that really aren't biblical things, but maybe they're cultural things. And like imagine, again, go back with me hypothetically, and we're at the lake tomorrow with Bill, and he's scared about getting in the boat. He's scared about getting in the water, and he's a Navy SEAL, so he says, you know, and I'm like, well, Bill, I thought you said you was a Navy SEAL. He's like, yeah, I am one. I said, well, t tell me, if you're scared of boats, you're scared of the water, like, what, did you not ever have to go through boats and water stuff? He's like, well, no. I'm like, Bill, I'm confused. How are you a Navy SEAL? He's like, well, actually, my dad's a Navy SEAL, so I figure I am one too. I'm like, Bill, just because your daddy's a Navy SEAL, that doesn't, that doesn't, if you didn't go through the process of becoming a Navy SEAL, you can't just inherit Navy SEAL, right? You can't just put on your dad's clothes, his fatigues, whatever they wear, and his badge, all this stuff. You can't just put that on, and that make you a Navy SEAL. He's like, well, you know, actually, not only that, but Chad, I'm an American. United States, I was born in America. So I'm a Navy SEAL. I'm like, Bill, again, uh, if you haven't been to BUDS, if you haven't been through the process, just because you, you're born in the United States <laughs> doesn't make you a part of our military. That it definitely doesn't make you a Navy SEAL. You've got to go through the process in order to become a Navy SEAL. Bill, you, you've misunderstood. You don't just inherit Navy SEAL. You're not just born in the Navy SEAL. And that would be confusing if somebody claimed to be a Navy SEAL because of what their daddy did if somebody claimed to be a Navy SEAL because of where they were born, but they never went through the process of actually becoming one. And the reason why I share that is because many of you think that you're a Christian because your daddy's a Christian and you thought you were born into it. Many of you think that you're a Christian because you were born in a certain country and you thought that you were born into the right place and this is a certain nation, a Christian nation, so therefore I am a Christian. But if you've never been through the process of becoming a Christian, I don't think that you're a Christian. Because I've read the Bible and Jesus says, unless you be born again, you cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. The process by which you have to go through is that you have to recognize that you are a sinner separated from God Almighty, that you have fallen short of his standard of perfection. And that you believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave for your sin and that you've confessed him as the Lord of your life. And the process, the thing that's wonderful about Christianity is that you don't go through buds to get in. You go through Jesus. And he's the one that suffered so that you could get in. 
Has there been a time in your life where you've trusted Jesus? Are you saved? Have you been called? Have you experienced the grace of God? And if you're sitting here thinking like, yeah, yes, I've done that, then what are you doing with it? How are you living it out? One of my favorite questions to ask is, do you have a faith? And if somebody says, yes, I have a faith in Jesus Christ, then I'll say, what are you doing with it? How's it playing out in your life? Because if you don't have a faith that works, then your faith may not work. You have to live it out. How are you sharing Jesus Christ with other people? How are you living unashamed? And so Paul, he's saying, man, this is what Jesus has done. And then he looks at himself in verse 11, says, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. A preacher just compels people to come to Christ. An apostle leads people to come to Christ. A teacher teaches people to come to Christ. He goes on in verse 12, he says, for this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. I love this. He says, for I know whom I believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until the day. Man, Paul's that dude, man. I don't know if you have a biblical character that you're like, wow, that guy's, he's, he's just on, you know. Paul's a dog. He's that guy, you know. He's the one that's just, he, like, he had to be so frustrating to people, you know. Like they're telling people, Paul, if you don't quit preaching, we're going to throw you in jail. He's like, throw me in jail, <laughs> you know. Gets in jail and he's like preaching to all the prison guards writing letters to all these people. They're like, okay, well, we're gonna, we're gonna get you out of jail. Paul, if, 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 you, if you don't quit preaching, we're gonna kill you. Well, to die is gain. <laughs> Let's go. You know, like he just, he was just always, like with their response, he didn't care about their threats. He was unashamed. And he had to have been frustrating to the people because he was so relentless. We're talking about courage tonight. We're talking about being unashamed And Paul, man, he was a lion when it came to courage. And our faith is built on a legacy of lions. But it's our time to rise up. It's our time to be lions and lionesses and be courageous with our faith that God has called us to be this type of person. And so Paul's writing to Timothy, but then he's reaching through the, 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 the years of history. He's reaching forward to us in our ears. He's saying, and we need to be courageous he turns a corner, he wraps up this thought with Timothy, and he just says this in verse 13. And hold fast the pattern of sound words, which you have heard from me in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus, that good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Fifth and finally, if you have, want to have an unashamed faith, you've got to have an unwavering grip. You've got to have an unwavering grip. Paul, he's called Timothy to hold on to the words that he taught him. He's talking about what we call the Bible. He's saying, you hold fast the pattern of sound words. He's saying, man, don't, don't leave this book. You hold on to this book. You have an unwavering grip to this book. Man, the word of God is one of the main sources of fuel for our courage. The reason why we come into this place and the reason why we meet regularly as a church and get around the word of God is because the word of God is the thing that unlocks the fuel so that we could be courageous once again. That when we get around the word of God and its unblemishing promises, it invigorates us to go live out the mission of God. And when we fail to do that, our grip of holding fast begins to weaken over time. And this is the nature of following Christ. That's why we need to be faithful and not grow weary in meeting together and studying God's word. Paul, he finishes this section very practically and he just says this. This you know, that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom were Phagellus and Hermogenes. And he says, but the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought 
me out very zealously, and he found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. I love this, because Paul just kind of wraps up this section. He says, hey, Timothy, don't be timid. And then he starts calling people out. He says, you know, Timothy, everybody left me. And specifically, he says, man, these folks that left me, they, Phagellus, however you say his name, and Hermogenes, you know, they left me, he calls them out. And Paul, he's almost drawing a conclusion at the very end of this thought saying, do you wanna be a coward or do you wanna be courageous? Do you wanna be a Phagellus, a Hermogenes, or an Onesiphorus? And so tonight, who do you wanna be? Do you wanna be courageous? You wanna do something with your faith? You wanna take the risk? Or do you wanna be a coward? Could you imagine if we all just stacked hands tonight, those of us that believe in Christ, and we said, courage on three. (laughs) And we broke this huddle, so to speak, and we ran out on the field of life at our jobs, at our schools, our apartment complexes, our neighborhoods, and we simply were unashamed of the gospel. Not in some weird way where we're wearing sandwich boards, walking down the street saying, we hate Halloween, but we love Jesus. Not some weird like that, you know? But we simply built bridges of serving people and built relationships with people. And we just maybe borrowed this question, hey, do you have a faith? And just followed where the Holy Spirit led in that conversation. Could you imagine if if we, as a collective, if we, in both locations, in the crossroads here in Lee Summit, we we put in our hands in in this huddle, so to speak, and we said, courage on three. And we broke the huddle when we went and got trained on how to share our testimony, how to share the gospel. Could you imagine what God would do if we became unashamed of what God has done in our lives? And listen, time is now. The solution is you. And we just are asking God to give us the power and the love and the sound mind to go fan into flame and stir up the gift that he's given us. And I pray that would be the reality for us tonight. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for saving me. God, thank you for calling me not of my own works, but for your purposes and by your grace. God, I thank you just for the opportunity to be able to preach your word tonight, and I pray that it would stir the blood of the men and women here. God, that we would attempt things that seem impossible to us, because if it's not intimidated to us, it's insulting to you. You're the the Alpha and Omega. You're the God of the universe. God, help us to be proud of you and help us to be unashamed. And God, I pray that we would live in the way of love to other people. We would live out our faith in a very tangible way for your glory in Christ's name.